before we get into the other um, the, the other bourbon, um, talk about the glass. How important is the glass? I mean, if I don't have the right glass, am I wasting my time drinking it? Or you know what I mean? Like, well, how important is the glass? Well, Juan, they have a saying: He who does not have the right glass does not get the right ass. <laughs> I have. Is that a saying? I, it's not. It okay. is now. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of I'll Have a Devil, the podcast. We are at quarantine episode number four. I feel like it's going to be one of those things where, where I finally got used to this way of life, and then it goes back to the old way, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, and, and then now I got to get I used will, to that again, and it's just going to be, uh, you know, my mind's just already messed up. I will take the old way back. In a yeah, hungry. true. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. no problem there, brother. <laughs> Every day has no. felt like Sunday fun day uh, without the fun and no one's doing anything. This is never gonna... sick of seeing each other too. <laughs> like, oh, it's you. <laughs> the, only thing I, the only thing I'm liking about this is the traffic or the lack thereof. Um, so uh, speaking, of, speaking of our guest, like I, I went and met him in Richardson and it took me 12 minutes to get from downtown Dallas to Richardson. And that has never happened in my- 12 I, minutes to get from yeah, here to, to, to Richardson. That's insane. Question, yeah. were you speeding? No, I mean, it's 75, man. Yeah, 75 on 75. And, I'll say uh, yeah. I have been speeding when I'm on the highway. Oh, yeah. Bro, I'm speeding. I'm fucking ripping. I, I think the other, the, other <laughs> night, the other night I got my car up to 145. I got, I got like it was, and I, did, I didn't even try to. But you're in Maserati, so I mean, yeah. But it's just like, there's no one, there's no one there. I'm in a Ford Explorer. Yeah. I got up to 115. <laughs> yeah. oh man but but you know speaking of quarantine <laughs> you know we're even though we're in the quarantine we're still talking about being better you know that that's always our theme of the show by being better so i figured since we're you know been drinking and we're going to continue to drink how about we learn about what we're drinking and get some knowledge so when we're drinking it we understand like you know what we're drinking and why we're drinking it and when we should drink it and so I figured, you know, it's time to, uh, let's educate ourselves. How about that, Brent? Hey, uh, there's no better time to educate ourselves on drinking than the, the, the most I've ever drank in my life, which is during this quarantine <laughs> time. So I'd like to know why I'm doing this and what I'm doing it for. Um, so I, I, yeah, I figured let's drink the right stuff. Like if we're going to yeah. drink, let, let's drink the right stuff. And so I, I have brought someone who's going to help us with that. Um, he's been in the alcohol beverage industry for over 35 years, and he's one of the nation's premier spirit and wine educators. And guys, he is here to educate us on a couple of bourbons. So ladies and gentlemen, let's give a, I'll have a double round of applause for Mr. Russ Kempton. Hey! How's it going, Good Russ? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, we're, we're doing well. Um, we are clearly already drinking. We've got beer, tequila, and then we've got the, the, the whiskey that you gave us. So we've got oh, everything. What tequila? What tequila do you have? We're uh, going with uh, Pedrino. El, yeah. El, uh, El Padrino, El Padrino uh, yes. that's very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've, been, on, we've been on a, a, a tequila añejo kick um, lately, and I want to—I definitely want to dive into that here in a little bit because uh, I've kind of bounced around the map of, of you know, uh, at one point I was drinking nothing but bourbons, uh, you know, then drinking scotch, uh, then you know, vodka, and then lately it's been tequila. So I definitely want to dive in with you on. Uh, on just the effects of all those and, and, and how they all work. This is a good uh, bridge here because, you know, in Yeho, well, of course in Mexico, Reposado and Yeho and Extra Yeho, you know, they're aged in uh, oak barrels, you know, to get the color and, and the aging. And the majority of the barrels that are used are RX American oak barrels until Tennessee whiskey, rye whiskey, bourbon whiskey, etc. So if these barrels are not finding their way for a great second life to Scotland, Ireland, Japan, Canada, the rum producing countries, these barrels are headed to Mexico. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So in, in, um, when it comes to tequila, you know, you've got Blanco, Reposado, Añejo. Um, I, I guess, <clears throat> what is the difference other than when I see a Blanco, I think of it being clear. When I see a Reposado, I think of it having a, a little bit of a gold tint to it. And then when I see an Añejo, it's almost brown, you know. Yes, and that's from the color extraction. So Blanco silver, platinum white, you know, that's right off the still two times, rested for a period of time. It goes into into the uh, into the bottle after it goes goes down to the desired proof point of generally 80 proof. 
a reposado, uh, Spanish for rested, is a minimum of two months in oak, less than one day of a calendar year. Uh, it's a reposado. And then a Nuejo is a minimum of one year in oak. And then if it gets to three years in oak, you have an extra Nuejo. Yeah, I actually, there was uh, uh, this one right here. The uh, El Padrino had an extra añejo, and I hadn't really seen that uh, before. I think that was one of the first ones I've seen. Yeah, we're the, we're, we're the, uh, we're te the tequila uh, culture in Mexico. We're their largest and most important market outside of Mexico. Mm, that makes sense. And, and, it makes and, a lot of sense. In Texas, yeah, and being in Texas, you know, we see more expressions of unique tequilas than they'll see in other parts of the country unless you're in. California, which is the largest tequila market in the world outside of uh, Mexico, followed by Texas. Wow, is it is that Southern California? Is that doing all it, the work? Well, they, they break it up. They they break it up into Southern California and Northern California. They break it up into those two regions. Um, all right, so let's get to it. Um, we have this is the first first time I've had a virtual tasting before, so this is. This is the first for me, so this is kind of cool. We've got a couple of, it looks like we've got a couple of options here. Uh, I, yes. I do see the wild turkey, which I, I, I am a fan of wild turkey, uh, always have been. So, um, uh, so, so as we, we go into the wild turkey, um, talk about wild turkey a little bit, because I mean, I yeah. think for a lot of like, uh, I guess, us normal people, like wild turkey has kind of gotten a, not say a bad rap, but it's kind of considered like, on the cheaper side of, of, of bourbon. So in Watch the- Watch out, McConaughey. Um, McConaughey is the brand ambassador, okay? Yeah, in, in, the, in the whiskey whiskey world, like how is wild turkey viewed upon in, in that in that world? All right, so this is this is how I look at legacy brands like Wild Turkey, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, etc. You know, if it wasn't for brands, legacy brands, we would not be in our present day form in our whiskey culture. As these guys have led the way, ladies have led the way for generations. It has allowed the boutique and craft distillers to learn from the leaders and then get better as they move forward on every distillation cycle and maturation cycle. So there, you know, that's, this is why brands like Wild Turkey have expanded their range, mm -hmm. say a long branch uh, for, uh, you know, the, whisk, the Minister of Culture at the University of Texas, you know, Matthew McConaughey. Or, you know, they've, they've recently released, last five years, Russell's Reserve. So if you've seen Russell's Reserve at the yes. package stores, and on the, that's, that's the high premium end of Wild Turkey. I was just on a blog a little while ago, um, and these guys were drinking Wild Turkey 101, and 50 guys were on the thread, and all of them said, wow, I, I need to revisit this. So when you revisit brands like a Jim Beam White or a Jack Daniels or Wild Turkey, it's fine to say, you know what, I've moved on from that but it's okay to go back to it. Here's the analogy. So Budweiser. So Pete Budweiser and Miller and Coors led the way and allowed these craft brewers to, to come online. But a lot of people say, you know what, I'm going to go back and try Coors Light when I'm on a boat or on the river. Cause you know what, that's a refresher. I don't want to drink an IPA if I'm floating down the river. I'll drink yeah. a Coors Light when I'm floating down the river. So you, you go back to your roots because that's as, as an educator. I say, Oh, never go. You, you can go back. It's okay to go backwards, you know, and, and to see, you know what, I learned and I because I, I drank Jim Beam when I was at UT, you know, and Wild oh, Turkey. Uh, we are very familiar with Jim Beam. Oh, we know yeah. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's a legacy brand. The brand's been around since 1795. You know, Wild Turkey here has been around since 1769. It's interesting. So they were founded, the, the brand gets its name from Wild Turkey Hill in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. And it was founded by the Rippy Brothers, R-I-P-Y, um, in 1869. And, of course, now it's a, it's a multi-international uh, brand. And the reason I picked Rare Breed tonight is I think you guys, you know, what you're trying to do, I picked out Rare Breed because of that name. I did have Long Branch in my hand today I had, and because I, I had two bottles of that. I said, you know what, Rare Breed. You know, you guys are rare. You're, you're, you're trying to do something unique and different, and hence the name. And, but then I looked at it when I got home, I forgot how, what a big proof point this is. So <laughs> you, guys have a, you guys have your glass in front of you? Yes, yes, you yes. yes we have. All right, so yes. this is what I want you to do. Go ahead and swirl it around and just open your mouth. Open. We're not gonna add water yet. So <laughs> open, open your mouth. 
Jesse just poured me a quadruple shot. Now breathe it in. Oh, is that? Are we not breathe doing it quadruple shots? Wait, wait, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know that because that's what we're used to. Okay. Inch from your nose. Open your mm-hmm. mouth. Well, I can smell that. Breathe it in. And now put a little bit on your palate. You know what? It's good for my allergies. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's big. It's bold. Oh, Who's picking shit. up spice? Mm. Okay. Oh, you're Ooh, always that, 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 um, oh, that hits you. Uh, that hits yeah. you right in the chest. Oh, that cleared up all of my. That was, a, that was a rare. That was a rare breed kick to the chest. <laughs> it's a pollen killer. Oh man! And so you, you guys are picking up that spice and that citrus. Oh yeah! So you're always going to pick up spice from a distilled spirit that's been housed in an oak vessel. Spice is a natural byproduct because these barrels are watertight; they're not airtight. So during the maturation cycle, evaporation takes place. These barrels are charred, and so this is where the color comes from. In bourbon in America, in rye in America, in our whiskeys, if it's designated as Tennessee bourbon, rye, wheat, single malt, you cannot add any secondary coloring to it. Mm. So this is the natural color. This is barrel proof at 116.8 proof. So they blended multiple barrels together. And this is what 116, there is a mathematical equation that, di- that dictates down to the desired proof point. So what I want you to do, see right here now, mm-hmm. if you can see, I'm just going to add a couple drops of water. A couple drops of water. Do we need to get the just water? a couple drops of water. In okay. Scotland, this is uh, known as releasing the serpent. In the United okay. States, it's called releasing, releasing the, the beast. Mm. Yeah. So now, so what happens when this water hits the surface area, it breaks down the molecular structure of the whiskey because there's trapped flavors that have been in there during distillation and maturation. And so it needs a little bit of prodding to bring out its character. What did it oh do my goodness. when you tried it again? Oh Ooh. my goodness. Okay, yeah. It opens Y'all it up. Feel that? Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay, I've, I, I've all- um, From Skiltland, that's great. That's I've great always tasting. avoided the- uh, water because I feel like it takes away from the flavor but I actually think that was like amazing <clears throat> well actually no I, so that's funny that you, you said I, I never knew what it was for other than thinking that it was just to make it not as strong but yeah. um, I was at a, a whiskey bar in San Francisco and I I can't think of the name it's like right on the the, the harbor there and they have I don't know a thousand whiskeys and so uh, this was years ago and I had gotten a very strong uh, whiskey uh, I think it was Booker's, and at the time I really hadn't had Booker's, uh, Booker's since very accustomed to Booker's. But they gave me water, like droplets of water, to drop into the whiskey. Yes. And so I took a sip, and I was like, I, I want to say like 26 at the time, and I was like, oh, like it, like that. Le- legitimately, I thought that the fire department was going to have to come, like, put out a fire inside my body. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's what the, the water is for. But I, yeah. but what you. And you know the Booker's is a product of Jim Beam, right? Yes, I do know. That's that's their upper echelon. Uh, yeah, the, their small products. batch collection. You know, Baker's, Basil, Knob Creek, and and uh, and Booker. When I was in the distribution business, I had a bottle of Booker on my desk. It was one hundred thirty-two point five proof. Wow. Ooh. Yes. Uh, Holy no. moly! If you didn't make your quota that month. You had to take a shot of it. <laughs> mm. Talking about quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, what did you guys think of this with the water and without? I, I, I mean, <clears throat> I think with the water, it's a little bit more smooth. Um, but I also think uh, that it, it's got a it's it's got a good flavor to it, regardless. Um, I, I kind of like, I'm I'm one that likes like Booker's and Bakers and more of a, a stronger type of bourbon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is typically to be sipped, not just you know, not like. Jim Beam is, is if I'm going to go to a, a college party and I'm going to get wild, you know, you can just take shots of Jim Beam all day and feel like hell tomorrow. But this is a, you know, sip on it. It's got a kick. Um, it's good. I like, I like it. it with the water as opposed yeah. to, yeah. So yeah. When, I, when I do my formal tastings around the country, my formal events, um, it's, I, I like to drop eight whiskeys in my lineup or tequilas or gin, mm-hmm. whatever, my, whatever the category is I'm leading that night with, with the client. I drop eight in the lineup. We go lightest to heaviest, not necessarily youngest to oldest. And then with various proof points in between. And that's why you have water. If we were to, if I was to take you guys through a formal tasting 
you know, after quarantine without water and after your third whiskey that you had, your palate will become anesthetized. It goes to sleep. It won't wake up until tomorrow morning. So that's why you need water to enhance the flavor and also keeps your palate fresh and Mm -hmm. hydrated. Mm. Sorry, go ahead, Warren. Yeah, so like the first sip uh, that we had, um, it reminded me of Maker's. It had a Maker's taste to it. Like I said, oh, this tastes like Maker's Mark, uh, which is one of my favorites. But when I add the water, the drops of water, the flavor just really like took off. Like it, it, like it felt like it hit me like the back of my tongue and the side of my tongue all of a sudden like just lit up, you know? And so it, it, it surpassed Maker's when I add the water. So yeah, I, I didn't know anything about the, the whole water thing. So I knew about and having that, water. That's the mystery, yeah. you know, but that, that's yeah. the mystery that I'm trying to, you know, lock down for you guys tonight, you know, you know, go through that door, that mysterious mm-hmm. door behind us and say, you know, what, what is going on here? Because a lot of people think that you should not add water. But again, it just shows you on this little exercise here of a big proof spirit of 116.8 and in a couple drops of water. And so this is going to really enhance the flavor. So American oak. So these are 100% American oak aged in white oak from America. You can only use this white oak once for this specific bourbon. If you reuse these barrels again, now you're a whiskey. So again, you, for bourbon, Tennessee whiskey, our rye, you can only wheat, our single malts, you can only use these barrels once by law. Because if you, use them again, if you use them again, you're not going to get the depth of the flavor here. Because we, Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas, other parts of the country, our maturation cycle goes through the summertime obviously year round, but in the summertime, it is very, very hot. And so that's when the spirit goes deep into the wood during the uh, heat of the summer. Makes sense. And so when it's going deep into that wood, it's forced into it by the heat. It extracts the flavor, the color, because 60% of the flavor of what you try every time you try a whiskey, 60% of the flavor in America and around the world, 60% of the flavor comes from that oak barrel influence. So inferior oak equals inferior flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And th- if okay. you look at the labels here, guys, too, you'll see Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey or straight whiskey. That's our defined laws in America for bourbon. Uh, it's been a, product of, a it's been a product of America since May 4th, 1964. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you see straight bourbon whiskey on the label, that means it's a minimum of two years in oak. If it's less than four years in oak, you have to declare an age statement on the label. So both these do not have an age statement on the label. So that means you know that these are four years or above in oak. For every year in the United States for bourbon or Tennessee whiskey maturation, it takes over three years in Scotland, Ireland, Canada, Japan, due to the lack of heat in those countries. So going back to what I said a while ago, the heat cycle shortens our maturation aging due because of that heat cycle as opposed to the lack of heat in a cooler climate it takes longer for the spirit to mature mm, okay so, so in the, so in the world of in the world of uh, of alcohol um so you've got you know you've got your your scotch you've got your your irish whiskey um you know you've got your american whiskey obviously bourbon and scotch are, are different where i guess where does the other half of the world, and I actually was just in the UK um, and then also Ireland um, uh, just for New Year's or just after Christmas and New Year's. So Flex. I, I visited the Jameson Distillery and whatnot, but I didn't really ask anyone this question and you would know this better than we would. Where do they, like, how does that side of the world view uh, American whiskey and bourbon? You know, they're, they're very, very bullish on it. In fact, uh, I've been to Scotland multiple times and the last time my wife went with me was 2010. And so we're in Edinburgh, there were a hotel in Edinburgh and my wife, we're out the window, we're getting ready to go to, to dinner. And she looks out the window uh, towards the castle. She goes, Russ, there's a Jack Daniels cab. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a cab, it's a cab with a Jack, the Jack Daniel logo on. They're advertising and here comes a cab another way. We saw four cabs in about five minutes coming from different directions. And so, what Jack Daniels is, the parent company, Jack Daniels, Brown Coleman, they're going, they're going to the belly of the beast. They're going, you young 
millennials and Gen Xers in, in the UK, you don't, don't drink your stodgy Paris Scotch whiskey or Irish whiskey. Drink hip American whiskey, Jack Daniels. Oh, okay. Screw you, Dad. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so Jack Daniels is a huge export market. And so is Jim Beam. You know, Jim oh. Beam sells a million cases of bourbon in Australia. Wow. Think about that. So, um, b- before we get into the other um, the, the other bourbon, um, talk about the glass. How important is the glass? I mean, if I don't have the right glass, am I wasting my time drinking it? Or you know what I mean? Like, well, how important is the glass? Well, Juan, they have a saying: "He who does not have the right glass does not get the right ass." <laughs> I have. Is that a saying? I admit it's not. It okay. is now. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not sure what glasses you guys have, but I have the traditional glass, which is a Glencairn glass. Can you see that right there? Can you see it? Yeah, a little bit lower, a little bit lower. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Nice, okay. That's Glencairn. So that's for the, the traditional whiskey glass that's produced in Scotland. The only thing I don't like about these glasses, I wish they had a little bit of a stem to them because I call this the thumb stem. You know, this is kind of bonky a little bit. You know, yeah. you can, I broke, I break these things. And so this, you get, you know, you, you put the spirit in, you swirl it around, then the alcohol comes up with the flavor. It's forced into that, into the top of it here, Glen Karen. And uh, that's what that traditional uh, glass is. It's just, it's a lower bulb, a smaller bulb than a cognac glass. Okay. And, but it has a stem. So yeah, so you need to have a stem. It's a, I call it, it's a small, I call this a thumb stem. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I wish they had a little stem. I wish they had a one inch stem to mm-hmm. them. Uh, that's okay. the only negative to it. Cause I, I can fumble on these things all day long. And when you have a couple of drams, you start getting a little weak on your feet and you can spill. Right. So how much of the difference is it? So if I had a, just a glass uh, that's maybe a square glass and this is a regular, you know, a uh, regular glass. I mean, how much different is the experience between having that normal, regular flat glass and then having the glass like you have with the stem? Like how much different of the experience is it? Well, you can't swirl it on a, on a square. You can, mm-hmm. if, you, if you swirl a square glass, it's going over the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about that. You can't swirl a square. Yeah. But so well, I like I've to swirl because it brings out, the, you know, it oxidizes, it brings out the aromatics. And mm-hmm. so that's why this is a, a, a finer glass. To, and uh, there's nothing wrong with the with a square highball, you know. But it's just you're not going to get all the nose confluences and, and attributes that you're going to get, you know, out of the traditional whiskey glass. So you were talking about the other glass for the cognac. Is that what you said? Right? Yes. So how come it has a different style of glass? Is it just because it's a different, or is there a certain reason why? Uh, with this swirl, is a different swirl like the oxygen or yeah, the, whatever. Yeah, uh, that traditional glass and and from for cognac, if they wanted to, if they re-engineered it today, they would not re-engineer it to that form. They're going more just like you know uh, champagne. You're not. They're moving away from the traditional flute. Yeah. They're going into more uh, wine glass spectrum now. Okay. Really? Because again, I uh, yeah, I would, before I left the business to start my company, I was in a. Moet Chandon uh, masterclass on champagne, and they were tra- they were showing the difference between just a regular wine glass and a flute on how the aromatics completely changed with this, with that type of stem. Where you know a traditional wine glass or the or the flute. Now on a on a cognac glass with that bigger bulb, um, you're trapping in a lot of the flavor. I did an event down in uh, Corpus Christi a couple months ago. On, on training on glassware. We did this exercise of these different glasses and we t- tried one spirit on all of them and the guys and ladies could not believe what a difference it was. Mm. So really, so you're saying the glass really does make a difference. Yes, in, it does. And what you're drinking. And is this, and, is this also too if you're mixing? Glass, yes. Okay. I would not use the traditional Glencairn glass in a cocktail. Go back to the highball glass for a cocktail. Because again, when you're using a traditional glass like I am right now, we're sipping and, yeah. and going through the experience. You're not going to be able to get your lemon wedge or your anything, you know, your cherries, your muddling into this type of Glencairn glass. That's why you go back to the highball glass. That's that's the traditional 
highball glass or highballs. Yeah, you'll never walk away from that. Because again, you're not swirling a highball glass. You're drinking that highball, that cocktail, you know, whether it be an old fashioned or Manhattan or a Rob Roy. A Rob Roy is what a Manhattan is. A Rob Roy is scotch. A Manhattan is bourbon or rye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. believe I've uh, rode that on at a Six Flags. Yeah, couple times. Rob Roy scream. That that is that what's yeah. no, the Judge Roy. Judge Roy. Okay, That's I was right. yeah. <laughs> Rob Roy before. Yeah. Yeah. You almost right. sold me on that, Brent. Thanks. <laughs> I do want to ask. I do want to ask one question. I know we're going to get into other liquors, but I just, I just want to, just for you to nip this in the bud. Is there any truth to? Um, they, they say like if like like clear liquor, like vodkas and, and your like uh, tequila, like the blancos and whatnot. You, you don't have as much of a hangover the next day. Whereas if you have whiskey, like the darker. Um, uh, liquors the next day you have a hangover is there any truth to that or is is that have to do with what you're drinking it has to do with what you're drinking number one and if you're drinking uh low end medium or premium and 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 also you know how much are you consuming i'm a firm believer that when you have an oak barrel it's going to strike out and take out a lot of the impurities of the spirit maturation aging really helps the spirit uh, because again when you have a spirit that's been aging an oak vessel over a period of time you know these barrels are watertight they're not airtight so they lose you know in the united states you lose three to five percent evaporation you know in in the whiskey culture in america you lose ten percent here in texas three to five percent in kentucky tennessee and because of that you're stripping out taking on a lot of those impurities during the maturation cycle, and then you're enhancing the flavor of the spirit at the same time during maturation. And so vodka, I don't drink vodka. The only time I I drink vodka is in a Bloody Mary. Um, I can't tell you the last time I had a martini straight up. Uh, and, uh, And so it goes back to what you're drinking. Again, the four of us here, we all have a different body chemistry makeup and so on how you react to vodka might be different than how i react or how you react to tequila everyone's going to react differently because yeah. of your your body makeup so would you say that certain people get hangovers to certain types of liquor as opposed to other yes. people really just, just to, okay yeah because yeah. yeah. okay. we were talking about yeah. uh, so recently I've switched over to we were talking about how I go we go through phases <clears throat> well drinking more tequila yeah and I have noticed that not as many not as the, the hangovers aren't uh, quite like they were with with whiskey now I'm not drinking as it's it, there's probably a consumption I think about it the consumption is probably more right yeah. now because yeah. we yeah. are quarantined but I don't feel as bad the next day when I drink tequila as I used to with bourbon and I am getting older. So I mean, I, none of it makes sense. I should, I should, uh, I should yeah. be getting hangovers more now. Yeah. What, what is the nastiest thing you've ever, I used to drink Ooh. Cisco when I was like 21, Cisco and Mad Dog 2020. Man, wow. Juan, that was, the first thing. That was, that was my go-to, Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that, no used be, that used to be a half, I think at their heyday in Texas, it was a half a million cases sold a year before we had our population where really? we are today. Yeah, that was wow. a huge brand um, in Texas, yeah. you know, 30 years ago. What would you classify it as? Yeah, what is that? What is Mad Dog? It, it, it's like a wine, right? Goodness, it's a low-end fortified wine. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 uh, that was what, like in high school, that's what, you know, and I feel like if someone were to give me that now, that first sip would just take me back to, to being 17 and yeah. throwing up and just like, yeah. it'd, it'd be an instant, it'd be an instant reaction of throwing up. Yep. Instant classic, well, as they say. Yeah. Because back then, yeah, that's when we were bulletproof and invisible. Yeah. Well, yep. I still feel that, uh, that I'm bulletproof, but it, but it feels like the bullets are like going, like I've got a, a, a very low end bulletproof vest. They're it's penetrating a little bit. Yeah, it's penetrating, yeah. <laughs> sort of feel it a but, little bit. But this tonight, you know, but as we get older and mature, you know, it's all about quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, well, let's go to the next bourbon. 
Yeah. Right. Ooh, perfect timing. So, I just finished mine, uh, but uh, so well, this, you, you, gave me a, you gave me a you lot. Know, when I, I, when I gave you guys my favorite scotches a little while ago and my favorite bourbons, that was that was Kentucky yeah. bourbon yeah. and then mm -hmm. scotch whiskey. So, so I am very, okay, very okay. bullish on this brand here, Ben Milam from Blanco, What's... Texas. It's, you know, outside of Austin in the Hill Country. So Ben Milam, quick history on old Ben. You know, there, there, there's a Milan County in Texas. They're Milan Roads. You know, Milan cities around Texas. Ben Milan, Ben Milan, was one of the unsung heroes of the Texas Revolution. I love he it. He died before the Alamo. I love he it. Great, and uh, he was killed at the Battle of San Antonio. Um, hmm. He was one of the only few. Uh, so he's like an OG yeah. Texas yeah. guy for sure. Man. Love and it. so he didn't make it to the Alamo. And so, fast forward to 2017, he died in. Um, December two of uh, 1835. So fast forward to 2017, uh, Marsha Milam opened up the distillery in his name. And um, so if you look at the, the label here, it says to the bold, to the true, to the gallant. And that's their motto. And uh, so nice. this distillery has only been around since 2017. Mm. And so this is a barrel proof straight bourbon whiskey. What they want to do with Ben Milam on this specific one, because they have about, uh, they have five or six different marks out right now, is they're blending two to six barrels on their barrel proof. So this is really a small batch straight bourbon whiskey. And so again, this is four years in oak. So they do get part of this distillate from a distillery in Tennessee. Okay. So can I bourbon. pick this up at the store? Yes. Down the street? It's over here? It's about $45. In Dallas? Yeah. Right. yeah. Nice. You can pick it up at Specs, Total, Goody Goody. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Huge. I'm very Huge. bullish on Texas whiskeys right now. Okay. You know, we're not talking about, before we get into Ben Milam, so Whiskey Magazine just awarded Iron Root Distillery up in Denison their harbinger as their uh, as their bourbon of the year the first texas bourbon ever got bourbon of the year from uh whiskey magazine this year well, and so it, we're which, doing really what, cool things in texas what? right now in our whiskey culture what was the whiskey again, that we haven't been distilling that long you know uh tito's just turned 23. yeah and so oh, we've wow. only been distilling for the last 23 Enough. years in texas so we're yes. doing really cool things in texas and so if you yeah, look at here, this color, right. when you look at this color, look how dark this is in comparison to the rare breed. Oh, yeah. Darker, richer, more mahogany here. Uh, that's, that's how I look at my women. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is this set up? So you got, do you guys know the true definition of a bourbon? So bourbon, 95% of all bourbon today is still produced in Kentucky. Okay. But bourbon can be produced from coast to coast. Okay. By law, since May 4th, 1964, it be became a product of America, an act of Congress in 1964, May 4th, 64. So a, a bourbon, before we get into the tasting, a bourbon whiskey in America is a minimum of 51% corn. If it gets to 81% corn, you have a corn whiskey. So let's just focus on 51% yep. corn. The rest of the mash bill is going to be rye, or wheat, and then malted barley, and it cannot be distilled above 160 proof. It has to be put in the into the barrel at no more than 125 proof. And then you cannot add any secondary coloring for color consistency after it comes out of the barrel, after you add water to bring it down to the desired proof point. These two that we're trying tonight have had no water added to it. So yeah, they're they're barrel, barrel grade. Proof. Pure. Yeah, that's why barrel, they're yeah. barrel proof. Yep, mm. barrel proof. That's super oh. good. When I, when I, whenever I get, uh, oh. whenever I get whisk, when I buy whiskeys, um, before I went on this tequila kick, I would get the barrel proof, and people would mm -hmm. come over and pour a glass like it's a, uh, yeah. you know, re your regular maker's mark. Take a sip, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Holy, like, holy. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not diluted. Correct. Mm. So yes. go ahead again, same, same exercises before. Go ahead and about an inch from your nose, open your mouth, and just bring those great aromas through. Let it breathe. Put a little bit on your palate. Squirted on myself. 
you get that big spice, mm. real sweet. It's real bold. I get a lot of citrus. I get caramelized sugar. Oh, sugar yeah, caramelized. Yep. And that's really, really nice. Oh, I like that. Palate. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yep. A little bit softer than mm -hmm. the rare breed because, again, yes. we're going down a couple of proof points. We're going down uh, 3.6 proof points. Uh, might not sound like a lot, but it is. Now, add just a couple drops of water, just like we did before. A little bit. Scroll around. Actually, no. Switch back. Shouldn't be doing that. Quarantine. And just give me a little bit more of it. My goodness, I, I did not know what difference it makes by dropping a couple of drops of water. Cause yeah, it's, and, uh, it's okay, and, and it's okay to add ice. When I add ice, I don't add water. One, one, do you do uh, the, the one big cube? If, and, uh, if, I, if I do a big cube, so what happens is when you add ice and you don't, you don't add water, because what happens when you add the spirit then, the bourbon on top of the ice, what happens is you're going to hibernate that, that spirit the bourbon or the rye or the wheat, whatever it might be, you're going to hibernate that flavor profile for a few minutes. And when you take your first set, sip, you're going to take a lot of wood sugars, a lot of spice from that oak influence. And then if that water starts to melt from that ice. It brings all those flavors together, <laughs> fuses them together. So you said hibernate. Flavor. So you said yeah. hibernate. Does that mean that the ice kind of shocks the bourbon yes. when it okay yes it yeah, does it's like a yeah. shocker uh -huh. yeah and it hibernates the spirit grain and then okay. you're just bringing you know trying those wood sugars from from the oak so yeah, what do you think of this one so in comparison much. completely different but i think they're both outstanding uh to show a comparison of two barrel proof whiskeys again this is a straight whiskey like the other like uh, wild turkey and there's no age statement on it, so we know it's a minimum of four years in oak. I can for sure taste uh, the difference in the proof points, for sure, like you were saying. I can, like, the uh, rare breed has a kick. Definitely has a little bit, yeah. just a little bit extra of a kick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with... Yeah, I, I like this. This one, uh, this one has definitely a, more of a, like, has more flavor than the, the other one. Um, but I think I would probably go rare breed more is more up my alley, but this one, yeah. it, this one's got a little good taste. It likes the strong stuff. Yeah. I would, I would drink the rare breed if I was at a party. You know, I think, uh, that's, that's definitely, I can hear Jesse on the, on the ones and twos and I can drink rare breed. Um, the Ben, Ben Milam, I can be, I, I find myself sitting at home and like looking at the fireplace and, you know, under a basket rug. You know, with, with with my wife, and we're talking about our future plans. You know, that's that's what I see when I when I'm drinking uh, when I'm drinking Ben. Like it just shows you how different these two are, and they are, you know, a bourbon, but completely different. Um, t tonight on these two, because um, I had ribs before I came on, and nice. uh, so my palate was a little shocked tonight, just a little bit, because that. The uh, the ribs had a little bit too much. I love spice, believe me. I love it nuclear, uh, but the ribs had a little bit uh, too much uh, hot heat on it tonight. So it shocked my palate a little bit, and my allergies are really bothering me. So oh, I kind of had too. that double-headed monster before we started tasting. That's why I had a scotch beforehand just to try to wash all that out and uh, didn't do the job. So to, as we walk up this ladder now, that's why I prefer the Ben Milam tonight to the rare breed is a close first second if i did this tomorrow without having ribs or spice i might come in the opposite way mm -hmm. because when I, I do a lot of whiskey dinners around the country and i also do a lot of food comparisons with chocolate and cheese and mm -hmm. i love chocolate and cheese with bourbon mm -hmm. like a dark chocolate would be perfect with both of these uh and try the chocolate and then a little bit of uh aged blue cheese after that Bruce, are you a are you a cigar? Do you like uh, cigars with? So I, like I I like cigars, but they don't like me. Uh, mm. I was 
uh, I've got asthma, so I can't smoke. Ah, okay, there you go. Because one but of my favorite things with a bourbon, especially a sweet bourbon, is to have it with a cigar and sometimes dip it a little bit there in there a little bit and then smoke it and have it with the cigars. Like the flavors tend to go together yeah. pretty well. But and here's the here's the uh, on how you pair that. You know, so you oh, yeah, pair a light that. cigar with yeah. a light whiskey, a medium with a medium, a heavy with a heavy. So if you're to take a light cigar and pair it with a heavy whiskey, so you're going the opposite ends of the yeah. spectrum here, light cigar with a heavy whiskey, you're going to flatline the experience on both sides. Huh. Because that light cigar is not going to stand up to that heavy whiskey. And that heavy whiskey is not going to like the like that lighter style, so it's Makes called sense. flatlining. What happens when you flatline? I have never heard that. I'm learning so much. This is all stuff that we do. I feel like when I hear the word flatlining, that's like when uh, when it's like when they're pumping you. And it's like yeah, you did. That's yeah, exactly. That is what it is. Exactly. You kill it. <laughs> yeah, you kill it. Yeah. Speak, speaking of pairings, you know, we're, we're getting ready to hit the summer, and you know. Hopefully, we'll be able to get out and enjoy the summer and barbecue season. Um, you know, people always talk about bourbon being a fall, winter, you know, uh, liquor. But what would be a good bourbon that would be a good pairing for a good, you know, good barbecue? So I, um, I would do a lower proof bourbon, say with brisket, uh, with has a nice char to it. You know, it's got that nice uh, ring to it. Uh, you know, I, I like would I would do you know, like an Elijah Craig or Russell's Reserve 10, you know, that's both, you know, both of those are $30 a bottle. Elijah Craig, <laughs> the father of bourbon, uh, Russell's Reserve, 10 year old, $30. You know, those are really nice to pair with brisket. And I, and I like to pair. And also if you want to go on the rye side, you know, rye whiskey with, uh, with brisket goes really nice also. What about uh, like if you're if you're uh, cooking, you know, if you get some um, some some chicken on the grill, or maybe you got some ribs on the grill. Some ribs, yeah. So r ribs, I would also do the bourbon or or the rye. Now, chicken was it barbecue chicken? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have a lot of smoke to it. I I would do, um, you know, I like this is fun. Try okay, try it. Try Reposado tequila with barbecued chicken. Hey, you don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse's like, uh, I'll do that. Hold the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be me. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about, um, you know, like when you're out in the heat, you were talking about how like an IPA, if you're like floating the river or whatever, you don't really want an IPA. You probably want more like a, a Coors Light or something. Um, do you have... A summer like go-to whiskey cocktail that you would recommend if we're by the pool and we want to, you know, kind of cool down a little bit. I would, you know, I would, I, you know, in your in your Yeti or whatever it might be, I would just put a lot of ice in it and do a Manhattan or an old fashioned with a, with a lot of ice. Yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. And, just, and your tum and your tumbler and have ice next to you with the with a refresh, you know, and then also. Make sure you have plenty of fruit with it too, Ooh, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, that way you're getting your vitamin C, you know, in the heat. The, yeah, and just keep hydrate and always and have some water next to you also. Always yeah, hydrate. The, the biggest thing is, you know, when I when I go to my friend's house in the neighborhood, and they're having their parties and they're drinking their old fashioned, their Manhattan's, and they're pounding down IPAs at the pool. I go, "Where's your water? Oh, we don't have any water." I go, "Well, you need that." You know, again, I'm. You, you got. You have to keep your 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 palate and your body, you know, hydrated during the Texas heat if you're drinking by the pool. Abh, okay. always yeah. be hydrating. So, so Russ, <laughs> you 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 talked you talked about price a little bit. Um, I think you know, especially right now, uh, where everyone is kind of like you know counting their pennies and dollars, things like that. But yet they still want quality. What what can you get for the bang for your buck? I know you mentioned a couple of price points. You mentioned some forty dollar price points. You mentioned some sixty dollar price points. What what is something you know if you quote unquote balling on a budget right now? Like what would be considered oh, some cool. of your go tos as far as right. you know really bang if for you your want, buck? Okay, so uh, around a, a a really good twenty dollar bottle. Ooh. Sometimes you can see it for about eight. Yeah, twenty. So okay. uh, 
Evan Williams. Okay. So Evan Williams was he had his first distillery in before Kentucky was a state in 1783. So they had he has a, a 18 to 20 dollar bottle called Evan Williams uh, bottle and bond. It's four years. It's a hundred proof. It's a white label. Mm. It's mm -hmm. fantastic for cocktails and sipping on. And then, um, as I said earlier, Russell's Reserve, 10-year-old, $30. Elijah Craig, the father of bourbon, you know, uh, 28 to $30. If you really want something soft and floral, the first new whiskey introduced to the United States after Prohibition was a weeded whiskey. So that's a minimum of 51% wheat. And so uh, it's called Bernheim, seven-year-old small batch. It's uh, mm -hmm. so a weeded whiskey, uh, again, under 30. Um, Evan Williams single barrel, under 30. Mm -hmm. you, you can find um, really good valued whiskeys under $30 if you just do some homework on okay. it. I, I go back to Maker's Mark under 30. You know, that's yeah. a great value and it's a legacy brand. Knob Creek. Uh, <clears throat> in, in Knob Creek right now, I'd, I'd go back to Knob Creek. Okay. Go to some of the legacy brands right now uh, and look for the deals in the stores because Specs and Total Goody Goody, you know, all the big guys, Seagulls, you know, they, they have some really cool brands on the shelf right now. So mm -hmm. if you, and I've seen this on the Seagulls on, uh, on Greenville Lovers, Sazerac yes. Rye for under yeah. $30. Yep. That's, that's good. That's good. That's good yeah. stuff. So if you want a couple really cool under $20, bottom shelf that are good values, ancient age and benchmark from Buffalo Trace. And then if you can find the, the mother brand from Buffalo Trace called Buffalo Trace bourbon for, for around 20 to 25 too. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. I, mean, I, I can probably name another 50 or 60 of them, but I think I've given you guys a good yeah. starting point yeah. uh, to, I, I, to look for. And, and, I'm glad, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people feel like, well, I have to spend at least this amount to get a quality, you know what I mean? Like you have a have a number in your head that you have to get to yeah. to get quote unquote quality. So I I would have never I would have never considered buying a twenty dollar bottle of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we talked about you know uh, price points and you know we talked about you know uh, um, get more bang for your buck. Okay, what if I want to ball out? Okay, what if I want to impress my friends? Uh, let's say I got a raise or. Um, I got a bonus or I got that, that huge commission check and I want to impress my friends or impress that lady or whatever. What, what do I, what do I go to? What, what do I go get and how much? So is your, if your budget is 150, let's say, let's say no budget. Higher. Let's say there's let's a, say, let's, no, yeah, no budget. I just want to go nuts. Yes. Brent doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have budget. Yeah, Brent right, so. Brent I, I, I didn't. I didn't have one until 2020. Where, where we're going, we don't need a budget. Yeah. So <laughs> hard right now because we're we're kind of in a in a in the desert right now because of the demand on high end 150 100 200 bottles of bourbon right now. But I, if you can find you can find one called Kentucky Owl uh, for about three hundred dollars a bottle. Uh, it's, they have a rye and a bourbon, a Kentucky owl. Uh, I would, on, on the Scott side, you know, Glen Morangy signet, my favorite is my favorite within the Glen Morangy line, uh, $200 Johnny Walker blue, $200, my favorite blend. You know, you can, you can find uh, Balvini, you know, their Portwood finished 21 year old for about 210. Um, and you know, you can find Balvini. 25, 30 year old for, you know, 500 plus. Uh, it just, so it just depends what you want to spend. There is a Kentucky Owl batch number nine bourbon whiskey for $1,100. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> um, yes. So does that come with the girl that you're also trying to impress? <laughs> you get them both. <laughs> Well, Russ, thank you so much, man. I feel like tonight and for the rest of the quarantine, we're going to have some knowledge when we're drinking our bourbon. We're going to have you on again because uh, we want to talk tequilas. Oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we definitely want to talk tequilas. Uh, we might want to talk 
They want to talk about Jen because I think that's a. I think Jen is like the stepbrother sometimes. They yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and, I like Jen. to take hot Jen, hot shots of Jen. Oh my yeah. God, that's me. Jesus, yes. you're the yeah, you're the reason why no one likes Jen. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Russ, I gotta say, I've learned the most out of any other episode that we've had here, and it's been all like stuff. I'm like, wow, I really am enjoying learning all of this. So, all right, Russ, thank, thank you, you for that. so much, man. And uh, where, where can we find you? Like, where, where, if we want to reach out to you, how do we get a hold to you? And how do we find out about your your uh, your tastings? All right, so. On my website is speakingofgrapesandgrains.com. Speakingofgrapesandgrains.com. You can find me through Facebook on Speaking of Grapes and Grains Facebook. And and, the, and then you can follow me on Twitter, uh, that, so uh, T-H-A-T underscore whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-Y underscore guy, that whiskey guy on Twitter. You can find me there also. All right, and then shout out to David Manning, yeah, my, my buddy, um, my old pal, David Manning at the Frisco Scotch Society. He's the one to help put this together. He's the one to introduce me with Russ. And uh, yeah, and Russ, we, I know we've been talking about doing some things together. And so uh, we got some things coming up. We're going to let everybody know what, what we got planned on. So thank you so much, sir. And uh, you have a great quarantine and be safe out there. Thanks, Russ. Right, you guys too. <clears throat> thanks, thanks for the opportunity. And as they say in Scotland, slante to your health. Hey, Thank you, Russ. Thank you, Russ. Stay safe, guys. Have a great weekend. All right, thank you. You too. Be sure to follow us on I Have a Double podcast on Instagram and I'll Have a Double on Facebook and Twitter. And follow us everywhere you have your used to your podcast. We are there, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, some of the other ones that I can't really remember or pronounce the names. We're there, too. So thank you guys for joining us, man. And uh, hope y'all get those stimulus checks. Hope you'll get them, uh, you'll get your, uh, your, your, credit, your debit card. You didn't get yours yet? Uh, no. I haven't got mine yet. No, I'm still waiting I for mine. I kept checking all day. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you got a stimulus check coming, I hope you get it. Uh, your unemployment checks, I hope you get them. I know a lot of people are still waiting for their debit cards and all that stuff to get in. Because, man, that's tell you, man, there's some people out here that's, that's hurting, man. So we want to shout yeah. out to you guys, man. And uh, we, we're, we're, we're rooting for you. And uh, prayers up to you guys. And, and like I said, man, we're, we're all in this together, man. We're in different places, but we're in it together, man. So we're still here so yeah yeah life is good hey if you're still breathing and you can still laugh then life is good because uh laughter is what holds us together man yep and if you listen to this podcast man you're gonna be okay if you listen to this podcast everything is going to be okay all right guys that's it for us man we will see you guys next time check us out on instagram we're gonna be posting instagrams to the live stuff we're gonna post instagram stories and uh, we're gonna be here man so i'm one b i'm the craven i'm jesse Koo. We will see you guys. Stay safe. Wash your damn hands and uh, good luck with those giving us checks. <laughs> hey.